Hello, good evening, and welcome back to History Obscura. As you may know, I'm working on a book right now, which will soon be released on Amazon worldwide. It's called A Gruesome History of Medicine. If you like to deep dive into the unbelievable, icky, and often horrifically painful details of weird, wild medical care of medieval and early modern doctoring, get ready. While researching said book, I found some lovely tidbits about humanity's history in dealing with sickness, as well as evolutionary oddities of which most of us are blissfully unaware. Did you know, for example, that some people don't have to deal with the nightmare that is wisdom teeth? It's true, and the oldest recorded occurrence of this happy mutation comes from 300,000 to 400,000 years ago in China. These days, a traditional full set of 32 teeth is showing up less and less frequently. According to Princeton University researcher Alan Mann, up to 25% of people with European ancestry are born without at least one wisdom tooth. Up to 40% of people with Asian or African ancestry are missing one or more of these teeth. As for people with Arctic and Inuit ancestry, up to a whopping 45% of them are missing one or more of these irksome third molars. Our ancient ancestors, Homo habilis and Homo erectus, did indeed sport full sets of wisdom teeth in their elongated jaws. Even modern chimpanzees, our closest living relatives, as are the bonobos, have 32 teeth in total. As noted by the illustrious Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, could it be that humans are slowly discarding teeth that no longer fit into our miniature ape jaws? That said, some humans have more than the average 32 adult teeth, and often these extra teeth grow behind the main front teeth or molars. Mesiodens, for example, are extra teeth that grow behind your two front teeth. They're the most common type of extra teeth. Paramolars grow next to your molars, and distomolars grow in line with the rest of your molars. Now, on the subject of famous historical teeth, let's talk about George Washington, the United States' first president. He famously had false teeth, but as we've been told, they are not wooden. They were probably made from his own teeth, horse teeth, ivory from elephants, and several different metal alloys to hold them all together with metal and spring. By the time Washington was sworn into office as president in 1789, he reportedly had one remaining natural tooth. Now about the dental health of the first Queen Elizabeth. In contrast to her glamorous and opulent lifestyle, Queen Elizabeth I of England had some very unglamorous teeth. Her teeth were reportedly dark and almost black in color. They were also noticeably decaying and gave off an unpleasant odor. Many believed that the Queen's poor teeth came from her frequent consumption of sugar, a fairly new import from the East and West Indies at the time. They were correct but this connection was one of the first made between sugar and tooth decay. And really, nobody minded so much at the time. 
In fact, some aristocrats colored their teeth black to try to look just as sophisticated as the queen. Our next fascinating tidbit is that of some mutant DNA from Milan that could combat heart disease. Heart disease is a leading cause of death all over the world, so it may please some of you to learn that you may be genetically resistant to this disease. Atherosclerosis is a type of cardiovascular disease in which artery walls, such as those of the heart, are degraded due to fatty deposits. Thanks to the mutant apolipoprotein A1 Milano, some of the fats that should be destined for your artery walls are actually processed and brought to the liver for excretion via the bowel. The result is a relatively plaque-free heart that just keeps right on beating. This mutation was discovered in 1974 in Italy during a village-wide blood test organized by the University of Milan. Of 1,000 occupants of the town of Limon Sulgara, 35 carried the mutant gene which was then traced to a common 18th century ancestor, one Giovanni Pomarelli. If that man had been a sultan with 25 wives, this gene might be a bit more prevalent today. Nevertheless, it has begun to spread because, well, he wasn't polygamous, but he was still a Catholic fisherman. Now, let's discuss one of my favorite true stories, that of malaria and the British Raj. Malaria is a sickness caused by protozoan parasites that travel by means of mosquito. Many archaeologists believe that there have been references made to this particular disease, by other names and descriptions, since at least 2000 BCE in Egypt and Mesopotamia. After Anton van Leeuwenhoek discovered his little animalcules in 1676, scientists and medical practitioners began looking for causes of diseases such as malaria in the skin and blood. The protozoan culprit was finally seen under a microscope in 1880 by Charles Louis Alphonse Laveran, who won a Nobel Prize for his efforts. One contracts malaria when the mosquito host lands and pierces their skin for a nice warm drink. That's when the parasite moves into the human bloodstream and causes all kinds of chaos. Malaria begins with infection of the liver and eventually blood infection that spreads to various parts of the body. Signs and symptoms of malaria may include fever, chills, discomfort, headache, nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, muscle and joint pain, fatigue, rapid breathing, rapid heart rate, and a cough. Some people who have malaria experience cycles of malaria attacks. An attack usually starts with shivering and chills, followed by a high fever, followed by sweating and a return eventually to normal temperature. Malaria signs and symptoms typically begin within a few weeks after being bitten by an infected mosquito. However, some types of malaria parasites can lie dormant in your body for up to a year. Globally, in 2022, there were an estimated 249 million malaria cases, 
and 608,000 malaria deaths in at least 85 countries. Most of those deaths occurred in children under the age of five. Again, it turns out that genetically, some of you out there can beat this parasitic infection. To do so, you must carry one or two copies of the mutated gene hemoglobin C. 22% of the population of Burkina Faso actually carries these genes, which, for a reason that scientists can't quite pin down, means that they are up to 93% less likely to develop malaria, even if those nasty protozoa creep right on into their bloodstreams. Happily, hemoglobin C is entirely hereditary, and it has already been found in the blood samples of people in nearby Mali and Ghana. Rarely has there been a better reason to make babies with your neighbors. In the 1700s, a Scottish doctor, George Cleghorn, discovered that quinine could be used to treat malaria. To consume the bitter medicine, it was dissolved into carbonated water and eureka, tonic water. This quickly led to tonic water being drunk by British soldiers stationed in India to protect England's interests in the East India Trading Company, as you almost certainly know. England's thirst for good tea was growing at the time, and the country had invested heavily in isolating its own source of these wonderful, finely processed leaves. The company was strategically based in India itself, and soon boasted its own military forces to become the British Raj, to purchase, resell, or import cotton, silk, indigo dye, sugar, salt, spices, and saltpeter. But as you may know, tonic water is quite bitter. So in the 1800s, soldiers took to adding first gin and eventually lemon and lime to their tonic water to hide the bitter flavor, thus inventing the classic gin and tonic. The first commercial tonic water was produced in 1858 when it was patented by the owner of Pitt & Co. at Erasmus Bond. Nowadays, the quinine content of tonic water is minimal, and more effective anti-malarial drugs have been developed. But a close relative of quinine, quinidine, is still commonly used as an anti-arrhythmic drug to treat irregular heart rhythms. You can also use it to add fluorescent properties to the frosting of baked goods. And now for the greatest trick evolution ever played on us the great shrinking human brain mystery. Sure, the last two million years were fun, but wouldn't it just be the jammiest bit of jam if we could go back to living in the trees and not being able to do simple math? Seriously, the human brain has been shrinking over the past 20,000 years at least, according to scientists. Whereas our ancestors grew brains up to 1,500 cubic centimeters in size, our brains today are just 1,350 cubic centimeters. Scientists aren't really sure why this has happened, which is perhaps a rather telling fact in and of itself. One theory happily posits that our neural net has rearranged itself into a more efficient framework so that our brains could shrink alongside our bodies during the evolutionary process. The effect is, hopefully, a more agile, albeit smaller, thinking device. 
There are other opinions on the matter, however. A study published in the aptly named journal Brain reveals that during the warming of the Holocene epoch, the human brain has decreased by 10% in size. This suggests that human brain size is influenced by environmental stresses such as temperature. Of course, the body and brain sizes of many mammals have been massively affected by overall global shifts in temperature, as we well know from close study of the Pleistocene epoch. Further conjecture on the matter has developed one hypothesis that by the year 3000, humans will not only have thicker skulls and smaller brains than we do now, but will also be hunchbacked creatures with claw-like hands. I must admit, that does sound just delightful. Thank you, as always, for listening, friends. If you'd like to sign up for ad-free episodes, please go to patreon.com forward slash history obscura. You can also send the show a nice little tip on buymeacoffee.com forward slash history obscura. In the market for a few History Obscura t-shirts or tote bags, hit up the link at tpublic.com. And of course, stay tuned for book updates. And don't forget that Historical Fiction Book Club is out there if you want to catch up on Treasure Island or any of the other historical fictions I've recorded over the last two years. Have a fabulous evening. Good night. (laughs) 